Welcome to Good News on Catholic Spirit Radio, a program for teens and almost teens to better understand that the gospel of Jesus Christ is relevant in their lives. And it's a place where your questions about faith and religion can be answered. And now, here's your host, Deacon Al. Thank you, John, and welcome everyone to Good News and Happy New Year. It's that time. Wow, a whole new year, a whole year behind us. That went really, really fast. And now a new year ahead of us, 2023. I hope you had a good 2022, and I hope you have an even better new year. I've talked in the past about um, I, I like technology. I think technology is great. But one of the things, tech, I just have fun with gadgets. I love gadgets. Um, you know, in another life, I was in, I was in radio, actually, full-time. You would never know it from listening to this show that I used to be in radio full time. Six hours a night, Monday through Friday, six hours a night on the air. Wow. I look back at that and I think, I have trouble doing 30 minutes. And I used to do six hours a night every night. Um, but I, I, what got me into radio more than anything else was I loved the gadgets. It was fun. I mean, now most of it is electronic to the point where – Things don't necessarily run by themselves, but you've got, we've sitting here looking at screens and an audio board that's completely different than what I used to work with. Um, and we had, uh, you had to, you were racing to grab tapes of commercials, carts to get it carted in time to get things running and keeping a, you had to keep a manual log and now the logs are all digitized. I mean, whole different world than what it is now. But I love the I love the action and I love the gadgets and what makes this microphone better than that microphone or you know what what would be a better mixer or board and just all kinds of stuff. So I'm into technology, but te- technology has spoiled us in so many ways. It's made us lazy in a lot of things, and it's made us impatient. Microwave ovens. I mean, my gosh, I have to wait how long for a hot dog? Thirty seconds? Are you out of your mind? Why am I, you know, and all of a sudden time is just collapsed on us. And uh, a 30 second commercial drives me crazy. Why am I waiting this long? <laughs> you know? um, my wife is so patient and, and I try and be, but it's, it's for me to be patient. It's, it's truly an act of God. It's a daily prayer for me to, to send me patience because I just, just something about, I feel like a wound watch sometimes, you know, it's overwound. And, and the spring's about to, to break. So uh, trying to be patient in, in a world that moves very, very fast is very difficult to do. Uh, my wife has uh, 22 days left of her career, 22 days. And after 36 years with, with her company, she's going to be retiring. I would be, I would be chomping at the bit. And my wife isn't. She's just, yeah, well, let's see. It's got another... I got another 22 days after, after today's done. And, just, uh, and I thought, how, how impatient have we become, right? I hate, like, when I went to movies, I don't go to movies any longer because technology. I can watch them at home, right? So I thought, how, just how impatient have we become? So according to a, a, a survey, Americans wait, on average, 20 minutes a day for a bus or a train. 32 minutes whenever they visit a doctor. That's a good doctor. Yeah. If you can get to you in 32 minutes, that's yeah. a good doctor. I've waited longer than that. Once I, once I waited that long and then got into the, into the room, and you wait some more. And you wait some more. Um, 28 minutes 
uh, on average in security lines at, at airports. 21 minutes for a significant other to get ready to go out. 13 hours annually waiting on hold for customer service, right? If you've ever had to, to uh, get through to get something done on your telephone or your cable or your computer. Oh, those helplines just drive me crazy. Uh, 38 hours a year waiting in traffic. And that doesn't even count traffic signals. That's just out in the body of traffic being held up by an accident or whatever. Another study concluded that the average person throughout their lifetime spends five years waiting in lines and roughly six months of that is waiting for traffic lights. This gives you 319 months, two weeks, four days, 12 hours out of your life waiting. My wife could do that standing on one foot. Doesn't bother her a bit. Drives me crazy. So as you head into the new year, if you're like me, <laughs> uh, patience is a great virtue. It really is. Uh, it, it keeps us centered. Uh, it keeps us more aware of our surroundings when we're patient. But it's not easy. And it's getting harder and harder in this society to become to be a, a person of patience. But that is one of the great virtues of our, of our faith. That is a, a gift, a fruit of the Holy Spirit, is, is to be able to be patient, patient with other people. Um, patience for me, patience and forgiveness go kind of hand in hand. Uh, when, I'm, when I'm patient in traffic, uh, I don't worry about if someone passes me up or cuts me off or turns in front of me. If I can be patient, I can be more forgiving. So, uh, and that's, that's a really, that's a big part of my life. I spend a lot of, a lot of time in the, in the car running errands and, uh, in ministry. And it's taken me a long time to just say, you know what? Just cause that person's in a big hurry doesn't mean I have to be, be in a big hurry. I don't know what's going on in their life. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe they're, maybe they've had an accident and they're rushing to the hospital. I don't know. So I find that the more patient I am, the more forgiving I can be. And forgiveness is probably, in my mind, one of the most difficult aspects of the Christian life. We are we we talk a lot about forgiveness. I mean, most of us as Christians, we we say the Our Father. Um, well, in, in my case, at least three times a day, and a big part of the uh, of the that prayer is forgiveness. And and we actually make a a contract with God. We say, you know what? Forgive us in the same amount we forgive someone else. You know, I'll I'll take on that that challenge. I I ask God to forgive me in the same amount that I'm willing to forgive someone else, and I try and keep that in mind when things irritate me, either in in my role as a, as a father or as a husband or as a minister. I always try and keep that in mind that. I've, I, I have this contract with God to be a forgiving person. And we all make that, that contract as, as Christians. But if you can't be patient, you're not going to be able to be forgiving. So one, one leads to the other. So um, a rec- recommendation as we get into our new year is make patience uh, a prayer for you. Uh, ask for patience from God. Uh, ask for that opportunity to be able to slow down, take things in stride, 
uh, accept people for how they are, not how you want them to be. And that doesn't mean uh, you shouldn't help uh, help them find ways to be a better person, just as you should be looking for ways to become a better person. But it means don't don't blow up on people for their faults. Uh, don't uh, don't diminish them uh, in your thoughts because because of their faults. Uh, be patient. You have faults too. We we all do. So forgiveness and patience are a big part of our, of our New Year resolutions. We, uh, here we are in the new year. We're celebrating a, a very important person in the church, of, uh, in the, in the church life, uh, Mary, the mother of God. And there are, Mary is revered in, in many of the Christian faiths, but not all of them. And there are some that revere her more than others. Uh, the Orthodox Church holds Mary in great esteem, as does the Catholic Church. And we are, we are faulted by some of our uh, brother and sister Christians who have a different view of Mary, and they wonder why we put such an emphasis on Mary. And as we go through the readings in the second half of the program, uh, I'd like to talk about that. And I, I'll give you an example. Um, I, just, I spoke uh, just the other day to uh, some sixth, seventh, and eighth graders, uh, teaching them about adoration. And during a portion of the adoration, we took time to, uh, recite a couple decades, decades of the road, rosary. And it puts a lot of emphasis, or it appears to, uh, on Mary. And afterwards, there was, I asked, yeah, anybody have any questions? And someone asked why, in the Catholic Church, do we talk about Mary so much? And it's, I think it's a fair question because we do talk about Mary quite a bit. In most of our churches, uh, we, we have uh, a statue in, in reverence to Mary, at least one. Um, we have several beautiful prayers about Mary. We have several beautiful hymns, beautiful hymns about the importance of Mary. And I think it's, it's important that Catholics and non-Catholics understand Mary's actual role in our faith. And I don't think anybody explains it better than um, Archbishop Fulton Sheen. And, and he talks about uh, when you take a telescope to look at the night sky, what you're looking at is the beauty and the majesty of these celestial bodies that you're, you're uh investigating, studying, discovering through this telescope. Your awe isn't on the telescope. Your awe is on what the telescope is pointed at, what you can see closer through the telescope, what you can see in greater detail through the telescope. It's not the telescope that you're enthralled by. It's what the telescope exposes to you that you're awed by. Mary is that telescope in our faith. It's not Mary that awes us. It's what Mary points us to that, that we find amazing. It's what Mary shows us more clearly through her, which is Christ, her son. Through Mary, we see Christ more closely. We see Christ in greater detail. We we feel that we're right next to him when we look at him through Mary's holiness. 
That's what makes Mary so important. And also Mary's important to us because Mary was important to God. God tells us in Genesis from the very beginning that there will be this woman who will, who will create with him, uh, the, the person who will, who will finally end the, the reign of, of Satan. So Mary's important, important to God. And he tells us that, uh, in, in our Christmas readings, when we heard from Gabriel, Mary, you know, hail full of grace, not just a holy person, but filled with grace. And we hear it when, when Mary, uh, is greeted by Elizabeth when she visits Elizabeth to help her with, with her pregnancy with John the Baptist. We, we hear it so often through the readings that Mary is the special person among all women among, uh, throughout all time. There would be no nativity without Mary. So you can't say it's all about Christ. Yes, it's who Mary points us to, but Mary is integral in the uh, nativity taking place. She is unique among all other human persons. And so that's why we revere Mary, but we don't worship her. She's to, to, there is no Catholic who thinks that Mary is a goddess or equal to God. We simply think she is the best vehicle we can look at, this, this perfect window, this perfect lens that we can look through her to see her son, Jesus Christ our Lord, more clearly. And that's why Mary's so important. And that's why we take today in the church to honor Mary, the mother of God. A, qu- a question about Mary that, that we get a lot, since we're going to be talking about Mary here in a minute. Um, how can Mary be the mother of God? I mean, that's the celebration, the feast that we have today. How can Mary be the mother of God if God already existed? Okay, fair question. So let's think this through. Because we can we point to some place in Scripture? Yeah, we can. But sometimes, I, rather than just point at Scripture, I think it's good that we realize that uh, a lot of our faith is just built on logic. It's just built on intellect. So let's use our intellect to, to work this out. How can Mary be the mother of God if God existed before Mary? Well, as Christians, we believe that God and Jesus are the same God. You know, they're part of the two two persons of the Trinity. So Jesus is God. Uh, so if Jesus is God, we agree on that, and Mary's the mother of Jesus, we agree on that, well then, by default, that makes Mary the mother of God. Well, how do we explain the part about God existing first? Don't look at it that way. Don't look at it as God existed for a long time. Look at it as God exists in all times. You've got to get out of this human mind frame. This, we, we have these reference points in, in, our, in our life that are all based on the natural world. God isn't in the natural world. God is in the supernatural world. So let's, let's try not to use human reference points and, and think broader than that. So God doesn't just exist for a long time. God exists in all times, and he exists in all times at every moment. So right now, God is not only existing in our world today, but he's also existing in tomorrow already. He's already existing a thousand years from now already. He's, he's, he's taking up all time at every, at every moment. 
wrap your head around that for a little bit and, and see. I mean, think about it. That's what that's what eternal means. It's not just uh, that he's been around for thousands of years or millions of years. God is, in fact, existence. Everything exists because of him and through him. That's why when Moses says, asks him at, at the at the burning bush, uh, who are you? Know what name do I say? Who who are you? And God didn't say, uh, you can call me Fred, right? He just says, I am. He's he's not any one particular person. He's all things. I am. He is the very he is the very existence of everything. And so it's easy to say that Mary is the mother of God, uh, because we're not looking at this. We're not looking at the same kind of a time frame as far as past, present, future. But we're looking at existence. God exists. God became incarnate into our world. Incarnate means made flesh. He was made flesh in our world through part of his creation of this world, of Mary. So Mary holds a very special, unique place in the church, and and we honor her today as the mother of God. So we have three readings uh, for for this weekend's uh, Mass. Uh, The first one is from the book of Numbers. The Lord said to Moses, speak to Aaron and, uh, and his sons and tell them, this is how you shall bless the Israelites. Say to them, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord lift his, let his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord look upon you kindly and give you peace. So shall they invoke my name upon the Israelites and I will bless them. I think it's great that today starts off with God reminding us through through Moses and the Israelites, how much he loves us and how much he he blesses us and how he is with us uh, at all times. The uh, the second reading today is uh, Paul to the Galatians, and Paul writes, "Brothers and sisters, when the fullness of time had come, God sent His Son, born of a woman under the law, to ransom those under the law, so that we might receive adoption as sons." As proof that you are sons, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying out, Abba, Father. So you're no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then also an heir through God. So God makes us through Christ. God makes us part of the family. We are, we are adopted sons and daughters. We become heirs to the kingdom, which means that we have a rightful place next to God in heaven through his love. I, I just, I find that to be a beautiful thought. And, and just a reminder that, uh, that God came through man, through mankind, to be part of mankind, to make himself one with mankind so that we could be made one with him. Our gospel this weekend for this, uh, this great day of uh, Mary, the Holy Mother of God, our gospel is from Luke. And Luke uh, writes, The shepherds went in haste to Bethlehem and found Mary and Joseph and the infant lying in the manger. When they saw this, they made known the message that they had been told about, that had been told about this child. All who heard it were amazed by what had been told them by the shepherds. And Mary kept all these things reflecting on them in her heart. Then the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God, for they all had heard and seen just as it had been told to them. 
when eight days were completed for his circumcision, circumcision, he was named Jesus, the name given him by the angel before he was conceived by the, in the womb. I've often talked about how I love when I read the scriptures to pick out a character in the reading and place myself where they are. What are they feeling? What are they seeing? Is it nighttime? Is it daytime? Is it hot? Is it cold? Um, what's going on around them? And it, it just really lets me soak in the meaning of the scripture by becoming part of the scripture. And I love this reading and other readings, other of the Christmas readings that include the shepherds, because I found I learned a lot about shepherding in those days. A, a priest friend who unfortunately has, has passed away, a uh, horrible car accident uh, in the last few years, but a wonderful uh, priest I knew who was from uh, Africa. And as a boy, he was a shepherd. So I had all kinds of questions about him so that I could understand Scripture better. Tell me about the life of a shepherd, especially in related uh, to the, the scriptural readings. And he said, really, shepherding hasn't changed much since biblical times. And what a lot of people don't realize is that when they talk about the shepherds, these are children. Shepherding was not a job for the, for the uh, patriarchs of the family, the, the older men. Uh, they'd done this. Shepherding was a, was a tough job. I mean, you're around all these smelly sheep or, or whatever that your, your cattle, you know, cattle, whatever your flock, your herd is being made of. Uh, they're kind of messy. It's a lot of work keeping them fed, keeping them watered, keeping them together, uh, caring for the, for the newborns. He's, it's a tremendous amount of work. And so it was work that was palmed off on the kids, teenagers. As young as and and children as young as ten would would guard the flocks overnight. the The older guys were there during the day, during the heat of the day, while the younger ones were being instructed uh, at home by the moms. So most of the shepherds are are teenagers, maybe a little bit younger. So that's a good thing to know. And he said that was the night crew, you know, was often the children, so the adults could go sleep. So when we think about the, the birth of Christ happened around midnight. So this isn't, this isn't the, the angels coming to a group of older guys like us, uh, even 30s on up. They're coming to children. And I think that's so cool because Jesus says later on, you know, let the children come on to me. This isn't the first time. You know, it was children who first came to the nativity scene where the angels came to them and said, you know, here's what's going on. And then one, one of the great reasons for having children there is they were kind of, they were not only the shepherds of the sheep, they were in, in some ways the night watchmen of the town because they're on the outskirts of the town. So if there's anything going on and, you know, people coming, a caravan coming, maybe a, an army working its way towards the town, the first people to know about it were the shepherds. So it was up to the shepherds to run to the town to warn people of what was going on. So here you have a bunch of kids running into, into the townspeople back to their families and saying, we just saw angels. And they go, what? You know, you've been sleeping on the job or, you know, you, you grabbed uncle's fire water and took out there with you. You guys shouldn't be drinking on the jobs. They're, 
it's, it was up to the children to come and tell people about the birth of Christ. That makes so much sense uh, when you think about Jesus's relationship with with children uh, during his ministry, and how important it was. And you had to be you had to have the heart of a child in order to enter heaven. So Christ was first revealed to us through the hearts of children. So they go to town and they tell everybody, "You won't believe what we just saw. You've got to come with us." And they they bring them to the nativity, and then from there they go back to the field. All excited, and now they're 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 staying up and they're worshiping a God together for this wonderful thing that they've been exposed to, that they've been allowed to be the uh, uh, the announcers of uh, to to their village. So, children, the importance of children, the importance of Mary as the mother of God, uh, the importance of God the Father. So, we're seeing a couple things here. We're seeing a Trinity. We're seeing these. A threesome that is important to the nativity, God and Mary and and the announcement of of the shepherds, the children. And it also shows how important and how key family is to the Christian faith from the very beginning, from Genesis and now to the nativity, how important family is, mother, father, and children is as the 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 announcement of of this great revelation. Of, of our Savior coming to us. So today's a good time to uh, be grateful, f- not only for uh, our mother Mary, our, our, our spiritual mother, but also of our own mothers and our family. Uh, this is a gr- great time to think about our families and the importance of moms, dads, and the children in our family, uh, and really give thanks to God for for this wonderful gift of His Son, but also for the the example that church provides for us about the importance of family in our in our lives and in our society. So much of the problems we face uh, come from the fact that families have dissolved so much. Uh, we have too many families without fathers. We have too many families without uh, married parents. And it matters. Uh, the kids see all this, and it changes them. I, I guarantee you, you know, no matter how, how long a, a couple might have been together, but without that bond of marriage, the children know the difference. And, and it has a great effect on them. And you, you think that it doesn't, but it, it does. It's, it's like being out in the sun. You don't have to really pay that much attention for the sun to change you. It's going to change you just by being in the presence when when you're in a broken home or in your when you're in a home where that commitment of the covenant of of marriage isn't isn't present children don't have to talk about it you don't have to teach them about it just being in that presence has an effect and we can look at its society as a whole and see what is that effect doing to us and it's not doing anything good I don't think anyone can can look around any town and say, you know what, we're uh, we're a better town than we were twenty years ago. I don't think they can, or fifty years ago. I don't think they can say we're safer than we were fifty years ago. So much, I mean, there's so much crime um, that seems to be exploding throughout our nation, and so much of it. And it's, this is not a race thing. This is not about skin color. It's it's about a societal thing that. Because broken broken homes come in all colors, and and all nationalities, 
But so many uh, times we see that these crimes are coming from broken families, uh, families that are in disorder. And here we have this example set to us, uh, set for us by Scripture, of the importance of a mother, a father, and of, of children that that all are in the all find themselves glorifying God. They all find themselves in a, in a position of realizing their dependence uh, on God and God's graces. As we celebrate Mary, Mother of God, um, please think about the choices you make in your life, uh, the choices you make now, the choices you're going to be making in this in this new year. Make it a great year by making great choices. And one of the choices I hope you'll make is turning more towards God. Uh, let, let him enter your life. Uh, listen, listen to his son. Uh, look, for, look for his son through his mother. If you, again, uh, would like to reach out and ask any questions about your faith through us, we hope you'll contact us here at Catholic Spirit Radio. Uh, but most of all, we hope you just have a a wonderful, uh, growing, and holy new year. Thank you so much for joining us on Good News. I'm Deacon Al. May Almighty God bless you, protect you from all evil, and bring you to everlasting life. Amen. You've been listening to Good News on Catholic Spirit Radio, a program for teens and almost teens to better understand that the gospel of Jesus Christ is relevant in your life. Submit your questions to Deacon Al at goodnews at catholicspiritradio.com. That's good news at catholicspiritradio.com. Deacon will answer your questions about faith and religion. Thank you for listening to Good News on Catholic Spirit Radio.